Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. What happens if I am in the midst of prayer, in the middle of an intense prayer session, or I'm in the midst of a very deep, deeply engrossing studying of Torah, and all of a sudden, right in the middle, usually it happens smack in the middle, <laughs> when I'm in my most intense moment, and I'm focused, and I'm all, I'm in the zone, and I'm focused, and I'm concentrating, and I'm connected. All of a sudden, I get all these thoughts. It doesn't necessarily have to be negative thoughts. All, my, all of a sudden, my best business ideas <laughs> come to my head. My best business strategies, what I'm going to argue at the next meeting, and my smack in the middle of my prayer. I'm doing something divine. I'm doing something holy and godly. <laughs> so, so why... It's only a distraction. It's a major distraction. And it's enough to get you feeling dejected. Like, what's the point? Here I am, I'm trying so hard, and after much effort, and I'm finally focusing and concentrating, and, and the heat of the moment, and it's intense, and it's, it's deep, and it's, it's moving, and all of a sudden I get bombarded with all these negative thoughts or ordinary thoughts. That can be very discouraging, very disheartening. I'm doing the right thing. I'm immersed, full immersion in prayer, in Torah. I'm doing the mitzvah. I'm doing. So why am I being bombarded with all these thoughts? That's a very discouraging thought. It makes no sense. Here God wants me to be godly. Finally, you have my attention, you have my focus, you have my concentration. Why am I being bombarded? Why am I being distracted like this? It's very disheartening. It's very discouraging. And I can't help myself. And there's nothing I can do about it. So no matter how hard I try, everything is stacked against me. So how do you deal with this? This It's enough to make you very, it's very demoralizing. It's enough to make you depressed. What's the point of all this hard effort and all this hard work when I can't help myself and I'm being constantly bombarded? Usually at the juiciest point when I'm in the heart of prayer, right then and there, that's when I get my my best idea. Business idea. You can't think two thoughts at the same time. So either you're going to be thinking holy thoughts or you're going to be thinking uh, unholy thoughts. So one is going to win and one is going to lose. The animal soul wants us, our mind should be filled with uh, unholy thoughts and the godly soul wants our mind to be filled with holy thoughts. So the moment you fill your mind with holy thoughts, the animal soul gets very excited and very nervous and it fights back and it puts up a great fight and therefore it bombards you from left field, suddenly bombard you with all these extraneous thoughts, your best ideas come to you right smack in the middle of Shemineser, and everything, everything you forgot to think of, all the lists that you forgot to do, suddenly, with clarity, you remember exactly, you can list, the, well, every, it's amazing how your best ideas come right smack in the, in the juiciest part of davening when you're concentrating, but because it's fighting back. Because the Yetzirah, so the godly soul is, is disturbs the peace of the Yetzirah. Can't, they can't ignore each other because they're both battling over the same area of the mind. And if one fills the mind, it displaces the other one. And the other one wants, wants your mind to be filled with, with its thoughts. Um, so therefore, they're constantly struggling with each other. And that's how God created the world. That there's going to be this constant balance and this constant struggle. And it's just, it's just a sign that you're ascending. It's a sign that you're strengthening. When the holy strengthens, the negative forces fight back. And you should expect it. It's to be expected. It's a natural response. 
And it's a sign that, you, that you're ascending, that you're strengthened, that you're doing something right. That you're awake and you've awakened the opposition. And when you're trying the hardest, at that moment, that's when you you're feel you're being challenged. So that's a very, very uh, demoralizing thought. And no matter how hard you try, at your peak, that's when you are going to be the most distracted and that's when you're going to be challenged and, and constantly bombarded. So Alter Rebbe says, don't, don't feel despondent, don't feel dejected, don't feel depressed. On the contrary, you should feel intensely joyful. Why should you feel intensely joyful? He says, not only shouldn't it discourage you in your prayer, but you should take the opportunity to intensify your prayer. That's your signal to intensify your prayer. <laughs> Why is that your signal to intensify your prayer? Because he's going to explain, it's not a sign of failure, of moral failure, of spiritual failure, that you feel like such a failure, I'm such a spiritual failure. Here, in my peak moment, when I'm the most spiritual, I'm the most intense, I finally am focusing and I'm concentrating and I, have, I feel I have it all together and I'm centered and right smack in the middle I suddenly get distracted and bombarded. I feel like a failure on the country. Not only isn't it a sign of failure, as a matter of fact, it's a sign of success. It's a sign of tremendous success. How is this a sign of success? He says, because he says, it's a wrestling match. And when the enemy senses that you're winning, the enemy is getting nervous. So why suddenly, right smack in the middle, when, when everything is going so beautiful, suddenly you get bombarded? Exactly, because it's going so beautiful. Because your prayer is so intense, because your prayer is so genuine, because your prayer is so authentic, so meaningful, so moving, the Yetzirah is getting nervous. The other side, the enemy is getting very nervous. The enemy feels that it's losing. It's losing its grip. So the fact that you, you've awakened the enemy, it's a sign of your strength. It's a sign of your success. You're doing so well that you woke up the enemy. When there's no struggle, you know why there's no struggle? It could be one of two things. Either because you won the battle. Highly unlikely. <laughs> the more probable explanation is that you're, you're, the enemy has nothing to worry about. You're asleep. You think that you're in a good place, but you're delusional. How, you know, human's capacity for, the, for delusion is infinite. So you're self-delusional. Yeah, he has you exactly where you want him to. Where you want him to. You're in such a low spiritual level that the, the enemy can go to sleep. You're doing the job for him. He doesn't, doesn't have to do anything. You're so asleep at the wheel that he has nothing to worry about. But here, suddenly, you're awake. And you're aware and you're praying, and you're intense, and you're focused, and you're concentrated, well, now the enemy is getting excited, getting nervous. He's waking up. So it's a sign of success. It's a signal to intensify your prayer. You're doing something right. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not a failure. On the contrary, you're a success. Because you're a success, that's why the competition is getting nervous. The competition is waking up. And there's opposition. How do you know a rabbi is a good rabbi? You have opposition. There's no opposition. That means, means the rabbis are doing anything. That's why. <laughs> oh, he's doing something. Opposition. The greatest rabbis had opposition. From Moses on down. And Moses Maimonides. And the Balshemtiv. And the Rebbe. The greatest rabbis. The ones who are doing the most. The ones who had the deepest impact. The most profoundest impact. They have the greatest opposition. It's a sign of success. 
It's a sign that you're really making a difference. When the Eitzahara feels that you're about to change a personality trait, a character trait, you're getting serious about overcoming your anger, overcoming your lust, overcoming your, your, your jealousies, changing your, your nature. Now he's getting nervous. This is serious business. He's getting serious here. I better, I better, I better put up a good fight. So it's a sign of success. And therefore, it's a signal to intensify. Not only keep on doing what you're doing, and do it even better and stronger. So the more that you're bombarded with these thoughts, right smack in the middle of the prayer, that's a signal to continue doing what you're doing and to only intensify on, on an even higher level. It appears as if, as if we're schizophrenic. <laughs> you know, the same person, one moment we're holy, the next moment we have these dirty, ugly, disgusting thoughts. I mean, you're here, you're there, who are you? Are you sublime or elevated, an angel? The next moment you're slime <laughs> in the gutter, in the dirt, in the mud. What's going on here? So you can start wondering, am I schizophrenic? What's wrong with me? If I were a healthy person, if I were psychologically healthy, I would, I would be on the same page. How can I swing from one extreme to the other? And simultaneously, while I'm praying and I'm in, this, in the heat, in the spiritual heat, intensely, intense moment, spiritual elevated moment, at that moment I'm bombarded with all these disgusting thoughts that I'm ashamed of. So what's wrong with me? And you start feeling depressed and dejected. And this was the dilemma, this was the question that troubled very much. It troubled Rebecca, Rivka, who gave birth to the twins, Yaakov and Esau. And she felt these two children, she felt these different urges inside of her. When she passed by a synagogue, Yaakov pushed the go-out, got very excited. When she passed by uh, the opposite of a synagogue, Esau got all excited. And she was wondering, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with this child I have? This child's schizophrenic. I mean, <laughs> it's a zealot. Whenever I'm in synagogue, I'm in synagogue. When I pass by a house of worship, house of idols, I suddenly become an idolater. She was very troubled. So she went to the prophet. And what did the prophet answer her? Relax. You have two nations inside of you. You have twins. Two different nations. You have two souls inside of you. You're not schizophrenic and you're not crazy. You have two different souls inside of you. You have a godly soul, a divine soul, a piece of the divine spark, a light, a flame that yearns for godliness and yearns for wholesomeness and for genuineness. And then you have the other side inside of you that's materialistic, that's coarse, the ego, the animal inside of you, that's the natural soul, the urge for self, self, uh, self-preservation and survival. And the pull of gravity that pulls you downwards. And it's a wrestling match. And they will constantly wrestle with each other. And when this one rises, this one will fall. And when this one is defeated, the other one is victorious at the same time. One rises and one falls. And, just like in a wrestling match, when one feels that the other one is rising, he fights back with a renewed vigor. Because he's fighting for his life. He doesn't want to be defeated. And when a person is elevated, 
to keep the balance in this world. God created the world, it should be an equal balance. When someone is finally elevated in the service of God, and he reaches a very high level, now God has to rebalance the, the negative forces. So now suddenly there's a new surge of energy in the other side, suddenly with a renewed vigor that's fighting it. And the battle and the struggle never ends till the last breath in your life. There will always be a struggle because there's a balance in life. The greater the person, the greater the challenge, the greater the struggle. So don't feel um, schizophrenic. Don't feel there's nothing wrong with it. It's two centers within you. It's two forces. They're clash. They clash. They are wrestling with each other. And one wins and one is defeated. When one is winning, the other one fights back. And when one temporarily wins, the other one regains his strength and fights back. So it's on the contrary. It's a sign that you're doing something right, and it's a signal to continue doing what you're doing. And because you're hitting home, you're hitting the nail on the head, and intensify what you're doing. Because whatever you're doing is working. If you're a person who's wicked, who's here to disturb you, not to reason with you. If he's telling you something reasonable, stop praying for a moment, answer him, so you can go back to your prayer. But he's here to disturb you. So you'll answer him, he'll come up with another excuse, he'll bother you with something else, it'll never end. His, his purpose is to disturb you. So how do you deal with it? You're in the middle of prayer, and someone is standing you, disturbing you. And there's nothing you can do constructively to deal with it, because he's not here. He's not being reasonable, he's here to disturb you. Many people like to be reasonable. They don't like to be rude. <laughs> let's argue the case. Let's, let's discuss it. Let's sit down together, have a cup of coffee. Let's, let's discuss it. Let's be civil about it. Alter Rebbe says, don't be civil. You think to yourself, let me reason with this, with this thought that's, that's troubling me, that's bothering me, or that's haranguing me. I'm in the middle of prayer. Maybe come back to me a different time. You want to talk business? Fine, but let's, let's do it later. You can, you can reason with your thought. You think to yourself, let me reason with my thought. Let me be nice. Let me reason. I'm sure if I reason with them, they'll be reasonable. This is not the approach. Be rude. Don't be reasonable. Completely dismiss the thought. As if they don't exist. They're zero. Be completely oblivious to them. Don't argue and don't wrestle with them and don't fight with them and don't be completely oblivious. As if they cease to exist. When you're sweeping the dirt, the broom gets dirty. When you engage in negativity, something will brush off on you. Something will leave a mark on you. So while you're arguing with this, with this negative energy, you will be affected. So why bother? Just completely ignore it. He's standing in front of you, and he's disturbing you. Go deeper into your prayer. Become oblivious to him, as if he's not there. Make yourself as if you're deaf. You can't hear. He's talking, I don't hear. I, I, I don't know. I have earplugs, I don't hear. You, you don't exist. You can't stop thinking. It's impossible to stop thinking. When a negative thought enters your mind, you can't stop thinking. But you can switch channels. You can change the content. I don't have to listen to this channel. I'll listen to a higher frequency. I'll, I'll fill my mind with a higher content. And when you're busy with a higher content, there's no room for anything else. I'm busy thinking about something else, so there's no room for the negative, negative thought. 
So you are in control, not, not in control of your thought, you can't, not in control of stopping to think, but you're in control of the content of your speech. So you can lock the door, saying, right now, you're simply not welcome, I don't want to discuss anything with you, I have nothing to discuss with you, there's nothing, just because you popped up, doesn't mean I have to deal with you. The way I deal with you is, total dismissal. Completely, become completely oblivious to you, as if you don't exist. You're zero, you're nothing, goodbye. And not only aren't you being rude, but the truth is, that is the whole purpose of that thought. That is the whole purpose of that challenge. If God wants us to do the right thing, why is He sending us such obstacles? He should have created a garden of Eden where it's easy to do the right thing, where it's pleasurable to do the right thing, where it feels so natural to do the right thing, and feels unnatural to do the wrong thing. Why did he create such a setting where it's so difficult? And it seems that everything in the world is out to conspire to make it difficult for us. And it's such a challenge, and everything is such a distraction. And a powerful distraction. And we're constantly being bombarded. And there's no refuge, because the more you intensify, the deeper you get into the Torah and the mitzvot, so you think, ah, now I'm free. I'm immersed in the Torah, full immersion. The moment you think you're free, that's when it hits. That's when, that's when you get the biggest bombardment and the biggest attack inside your mind while you're praying. Suddenly you're being bombarded with all these ugly thoughts and disgusting thoughts or, or extraneous thoughts, superficial thoughts that are distracting you from your concentration. So there's no escape. Not only you're locked behind closed doors, you're in the, there's no escape. It comes from within. The enemy lands right right in the center, right in the middle. <laughs> Where am I going to run? I'm hiding, I'm my refuge, I'm in, immersed in the Torah, I'm immersed in the prayer. And then, at that moment, I get the biggest attack, the biggest, the biggest bombardment. So, what's the point? What did God want from me? What does He want from my life? He wants me to do the right thing, and then He makes it so difficult. Shadal Rebbe is telling us in this chapter, you have to realize that everything in this world is here to help us. Everything in this world was created for one purpose, for godliness. Everything in the world is really conspiring to help us do the right thing. As the Talmud says, that even the Satan, whatever he does, he has in mind, L'Shem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven. At the root, at the source, he's a divine angel. And everything that he does is for the sake of heaven. He has a godly intent. Because it's also, he's also a creature of God. He's doing his mission. It's all he's doing, his job. God created himself. So the truth is, everything in this world, nothing is what it appears to be. This world is a false world. Nothing is what it appears to be. Don't take anything at face value. Everything in this world is here to conspire, to help us, to aid us, to encourage us, to help us intensify our connection with Hashem. But it just comes out in a funny way. <laughs> Something gets lost in the translation. So what we hear is opposition. It appears to be opposition. In the heat of the moment, that's when there's the, the stiffest opposition. But the truth is, if you decode the message, what is the opposition really telling you? What is the purpose of that opposition? What is that purpose of that heathen disturbing your prayer when you're in, in, in the midst of the most intense, the most rewarding, the most beautiful prayer experience you ever had in your life? And suddenly he's there standing there in front of you disturbing you and distracting you. What's the purpose of it? The purpose of it is 
for you to reach such a, a, a level of prayer where you become completely oblivious. To go so, so deeply into the prayer that, that that should spur you on. That should become an impetus for you to reach such a level that you become completely oblivious to the opposition. And that is his whole purpose. So whether he knows it consciously or subconsciously, his whole purpose is here to help you. He's not here to distract you. On the contrary, he's here to help you increase, deepen, intensify your connection. But of course it comes out in a very funny way. Just like anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is really, really there to help us. It's the Gentiles' funny way of telling the Jew, get your act together. Because until you do, the world is lost. The Jew stood at Sinai. The Jew experienced the revelation of the Torah, the blueprint of reality. The Jew has the key. For all of us, for all mankind, to get out of this prison or this madhouse, it's not until the Jew will get his act together, when 14 million Jews will be proud of their Jewishness and cherish their Jewishness and celebrate their relationship and their marriage to God and live a Jewish life. It's only when the Jew will get his act together that the whole world will come into focus. The whole world will become centered. The whole world will become a peaceful garden of Eden. And everyone knows it. Six billion people know. And that's why anti-Semitism is relentless. It's not going away. Because they're not going to let us forget. Because we are sitting in the driver's seat. And the hidden message is, Jew, get your act together. And we're not going anywhere until you do. <laughs> it's only going to get worse until you get your act together. So, yes, it comes across as very negative and very harsh. Just like the example he's giving, the Jew is praying, he's trying to pray, he's trying to be spiritual, he's trying to be godly, and suddenly this idolater is standing in front of him and is trying to disturb him and distract him. And he's doing a good job. And he's putting his whole heart and soul into disturbing and to distract and to humiliate and to denigrate. It's anti-Semite. But what does a Jew hear in all of this? What's the message that we get from all of this? We don't get distracted. It doesn't, we don't weaken. We don't lose our concentration on the country. This spurs us. This becomes an impetus to deepen our relation. To go even deeper into the prayer to go even deeper into our Jewishness, to celebrate our Jewishness even more so. Not to hide and to pretend on the contrary, to deepen our relationship until we become completely oblivious to this obstacle. We don't reason, we don't argue. But with, with firm resolve, we forge ahead with strength, with a renewed vigor, with a renewed depth and intensity. And you know what happens when you do that? The obstacle just melts away. And the obstacle then fulfilled its purpose. Because that really, that's the message. You have to know how to decode. It's a special language. It's a a very specialized language. You have to know how to decode the message. So the message and the negativity is positive. 
That's why the Jew was not crushed by anti-Semitism. Because the Jew was able to decode the message. Yes, anti-Semitism is a very negative phenomenon. But we're able to decode the message in this matter. And the message is, you're doing something right. And only increase what you're doing. Intensify your relationship. Deepen your connection with God. Intensify your relationship. Become even more Jewish. Become a better person. Become more moral and ethical and spiritual. And study even more Torah. And do even more mitzvot. And do even more acts of goodness and kindness. And become oblivious to the opposition. To the negativity. To the negative energy. And when you become oblivious to the negative, the negativity just goes away. Melts away. And it's actually transformed. Then you discover that what formerly was a negative, suddenly every, everything turns into a friend. Today, for the first time in thousands of years, there's hardly a corner in the world where Yiddishkeit, Jewish life, isn't flourishing with the blessing of the local regimes and local governments to live a Jewish life, to practice freely and proudly, and to pursue Torah and mitzvot, to celebrate the relationship and the marriage to God in a joyful way, on a daily basis, throughout the world. So what formerly was negative, an enemy, anti-Semitic, suddenly, has been a complete transformation. Because the Jew did not waver, did not lose his focus, was not distracted, on the contrary, deepened and intensified his relationship, deepened and intensified, and proudly celebrated his Yiddishkeit and his relationship with Hashem. And we've seen in our lifetime this miraculous transformation as a result. So what he's telling us here is something very profound. You have to be able to decode what life is telling you. Obstacles are not your enemy. Deep down, the obstacle itself, the Satan himself, deep down, his intention is for the sake of God. Deep down, everything is godly. Everything has a godly spark. The obstacle is not your enemy. The obstacle is here to encourage you and to strengthen you and to make you better and stronger and deeper and more genuine. And when you, once you learn to decode that message properly, then instead of being discouraged, otherwise you're overwhelmed with all the negativity. But once you learn to decode the message, instead of seeing negativity all around you, you see all you see is positive. Then you see strength all around you. And, and all of your experiences only serve to strengthen you. Including your negative experiences, especially your negative experiences, only, only strengthen you. And spur you on. And become an impetus. How do you deal with the negativity, with this bombardment, with the seemingly the seeming distraction that hits home right at the moment that you're warming up and that you're, you feel you're at your peak and suddenly you get hit with this negativity and these negative thoughts and these distractions. So instead of being discouraged, he says, encounter it with zeal and with zest and with vigor and joyfully realize that you're doing something right and this is a signal to go even deeper. This is a signal to not only continue what you're doing because whatever you're doing is working but to deepen what you're doing and to take it to a new level. Kabbalah, 
and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.